All right, we are looking at Mark 6 tonight. Mark 6, 817, page 817, the black books in the Bibles are the pews. You'll find it helpful to read along and have it open. Page 817 from the Gospel of Mark. We'll first read verses 7 through 13, and then we'll turn the page and pick up the story where it continues. Mark 6, verse 7. Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Jesus said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. And then turn the page. Pick it up at verse 30. This is later. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said, "Um, five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord. The disciples had become apostles. The ones who were studiers, became the ones who were sent. And they went out and they had a ball. It was amazing. It was, to that point, the best experience they had ever had. They went out and they actually cast out demons out of people. And it worked. It totally worked. And then they like laid hands on people, anointed them with oil, and they cured them. They actually did it. It worked. And they proclaimed to people to repent, and people actually repented. It was the best thing, and it was amazing, and it was rich, and it was rewarding, and they all got back together, and they're all talking about how amazing it was. It was so great. They were so tired. <laughs> Do you kind of get that? 
Like how you can have this really rich and awarding and amazing experience and be so very tired. Right? It's like college. It's so amazing there are all these relationships, you're doing all these things you've never done before and your mind is just expanding and your understanding of who you are and the presence of God is just going crazy and, and you're so tired. <laughs> Particularly right now, I mean, there's like all these demands and there's things you have to do and you've got the lists and the lists have lists. It just goes on and... And then you've got, like, people who want to see you because they're, like, going to Spain for the fall and you're not going to see them until January, so we've got to get together. Everybody, everybody's got to get together. we all got to get together. Let's get together. <laughs> and it's so demanding, and there's so many people coming and going that sometimes you don't even have time to eat or, more likely, sleep. And we have an extra complication that the disciples didn't have. Watch this video. familiar. Did you kind of feel that one right there? So there have been these studies that have been done on how our use of phones and social media impact both how we feel about ourselves and our relationships with others. A study at the University of Michigan on college-age adults P.S. All studies are done on college-age adults because they're all done on university campuses and that's who they have. <laughs> it's, it's true. So a study at the University of Michigan 
find, found that the more they used Facebook, the worse they felt. It was published in the journal PLOS One. Facebook use led to declines in moment-to-moment happiness and overall life satisfaction. Investigators from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine discovered a significant leak between social media use and depression. So they tested people, and the people who very infrequently checked social media compared to the people who frequently checked social media, the people who are on this end had 2.7 more times of being depressed than the people who didn't. There was this article in the Harvard Business Review that just came into my, uh, into my feed just this week. It said, the problem with millennials is that they're too hard on themselves. And the reason for that is because we're constantly being barraged by the best possible selves of all of our peers. This is me at my very best. This is me getting engaged. This is me getting into grad school. Here's a picture of my letter. Here's something from Will Williman who wrote me. (laughs) And, And we see all this presented to us and it can make us feel really anxious. And what happens is you think, I'm just bumbling along, getting my bees, hoping to finish this whole college thing, and there are all these people out there who are doing so much better. And I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to have a future because everyone else is going to take all the jobs and all the cool things are going to be gone and it's never going to happen for me. And that just leads to this increase in anxiety. The BBC reported on a study where, again, 170 college students who are in romantic relationships were asked about the phone use of their partner and how that impacted them. And they said, a partner who is overly dependent on the device makes them feel much less satisfied in the relationship. So they talked about being, going out for a dinner and if the person couldn't make it through dinner without looking at their phone, they would feel like, why am I in this relationship? I mean, you saw that on the video, right? There's a sense of we can't even make it through dinner without thinking there's something else better out there that I have to read. So, uh, Louis C.K. is a comedian. You know of him. He was on Conan O'Brien this week. And he actually went off the internet. And he said, this is why. He said, I realized I was staring at my phone more than I was looking at my children. And he said, my children are nice, so they put up with it. But every time I do this, they die a little bit. And so he took his phone and he handed it to his daughter. And he made her put in a passcode so that he could not access the phone without her permission. And he hasn't been on the phone in a month. And he said, I've been reading books. But he said, the best part is I got a note from my daughter telling me how much she appreciated it. Because what we have is this hunger for presence, for incarnational connection. You saw it on the video. Every place she looked, someone was trying to mediate the intimacy through the screen. And there's this deep hunger that we all have for someone to actually know the real us, the true us, not the Facebook us or the Twitter us, the real us. 
And even though we know there are studies out there that say that, and even though we watch that video and we feel it in our guts, why do we keep turning back to the phones? Why do we keep going back to the screen? What's the draw? Well, I think it's, I think it's the oldest sin in the book. I think it's the original sin. I think it's the sin that says, oh, I can be like God. I can be the center of everything. I can have this device which connects me with everything and all the knowledge of good and evil in the whole world is right here in the palm of my hand. And I need to be reachable. People need to contact me because I'm important. And if they go too long without hearing from me, they're going to think like I'm mad at them or something and I can't deal with conflict and relationships, so I'm just going to repeatedly text back very quickly to manage the conflict. And I need to know everything that there is to know. I need to know all the things. If there's a new cat video that everyone is laughing at, I need to know what it is. If Donald Trump said something silly, again, I need to know what it is right now. I need to weigh in. I need part of the conversation. I need to know all the things. I need to be the center of the things. I need to connect with all the people. It's all about me. Let me personalize my phone just to make it really about me. My beautiful phone. The disciples actually were in a similar spot. You see, they went around and they did all these amazing things that they had never done before. And people started coming to them. Like that's why it gets so crazy why all the people are coming and going and there's not time to eat. Because now it's like, well, you know, Jesus is busy, but that, I've seen that guy heal people. I'll go to him. And so it gets, it gets to be like, look at us. Look at what we can do. This is the best thing ever. Look at how busy this is. Look at how important we are. This is awesome. We are the center of, and Jesus goes, mm, 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 mm. We're going to take a little time out right now. And we're going we're gonna to fall back. We're going to go to a deserted place. Y'all are going to get some rest. And then they get to this deserted place, and it's not really deserted because all the people get there, right? And if you're really, really tired and all you want is rest, and you go to this spot, and there's all these people, and you're just like, oh, jeez, seriously? But because Jesus hadn't been out on the mission trip, his tank was still pretty full, and so he had compassion on them, and he starts teaching them, and he's just talking away, and everyone's like, yeah, this is the best. This is the best thing ever. And the sun's sinking low, and a disciple comes up and pulls at his sleeve. <sighs> Jesus, can you just, like, send them away? Because, they, you know, they got to have something to eat. And Jesus, oh, sure, honey. We'll do that. I'll just send him right away. No, what does he say? He says, well, we'll give him something to eat. And the disciples like, hang, hang on. Do you not remember what you said to us? I'm sending you out. You can't take a bag. You can't take a bag. You can't take a bag. You can't. Nothing except the staff. Like we're going to go in the village and buy a whole bunch of bread. Look, we got nothing. 
Jesus is like, well, what do you have? They're like, five loaves and two fish. Yeah, bring that over here. And he blesses God and he breaks it and he spreads it out. And right there in that deserted place where nobody should be fed, Jesus feeds. And if you've grown up in the church or you know the Bible, the story that happens here in Mark 6 should kind of prick your memory from stuff that happens back in the book of Numbers. Where God's people are again out in the wilderness. They're out in a deserted place. They're in a place where there is nothing at all. And Moses is sick of them. He's just like, oh, what am I going to do with these people? They keep complaining all the time. And God's like, I got this. And he gives them manna. And he gives them quail. And in this place where nobody should be fed, he feeds his people in a deserted place. Jesus longs to feed his people in deserted places. The challenges in 2016, we don't have very many deserted places. I think one of the many sad images in that video, but the one that gets me is when she's like finishing her run onto the hill and it's sunny and she's just like, ah, and she's got Mr. Chatterpants over here on his phone. It's just like, There's no deserted places. Maybe some of you found that this week in the prayer tent, that that was like a safe space, a a deserted place. I went in there on Thursday afternoon, and there were students on one end of the tent, and each was kind of doing his or her own thing. So I went to the other end of the tent, and I just sat in one of those little plastic chairs. And I didn't have to go to a meeting And I wasn't missing an appointment. There was nowhere else I had to be. And the tent was quiet and it was a sunny day and I just sat. And God said, oh, we've got some things to talk about. I said, yeah, we do. And I just sat and I listened. And he gave me correction and he gave me comfort and he reminded me of some deep truths that I needed to hear. He fed me in a deserted place. The challenge for us is we actually have to seek out deserted places. We actually have to seek out the places where we can be cut off. There are very few places around the world now that you can go and not have cell phone coverage. Like, you have to make a physical decision. When I go on spiritual retreats, I actually have to leave my phone in the car. Because if it's in the building that I'm in, I will be tempted to turn to it. You have to make a decision. So when some people practice Sabbath, which I know many of you do, we talked a lot about that last year, they actually practice a tech Sabbath. And they don't look at their phones at all on Sunday. They just don't look at their iPads. They just just kind of step back from it all and quiet their hearts before the Lord. They create deserted spaces where God can fill them up. So here's a couple of ideas. Here's a question first. 
Do you use your phone to supplement relationships or to replace them? So a supplement is you, you send a text to somebody that you, you're in relationship with just to connect with them. How are you doing today? That's great. Let's meet for lunch. Good. Replacing it is when you're actually at lunch with the person, instead of talking to the person, you look at your phone. Or instead of investing in relationships on your floor, in your house, in your dorm, in your classes, you go to the false relationships on the screen. Is it supplementing or replacing? And then what if, let's say for the next 10 days, 12 days, until we're all done with graduation, what if we just set up times where we would check our phone, like at 10, at noon, at 5, and the rest of the time we just had it on do not disturb. So instead of being reactive constantly to the demands of being reminded, I'm so important, I'm in the center, this is awesome, everybody wants to talk to me, we are proactive. We say, this is a tool that I can use for the glory of God and for the bettering of human relationships. And I will do that. But I'll be proactive and do that when I'm ready, when my space is ready, when my mind is ready, when my heart is ready. Or what if for the next 12 days you gave your phone to somebody else and you said, set a passcode and don't tell me what it is until my last file. How do you say that this phone belongs to God? Everyone will do it differently. Everybody will have different rhythms. How do you say that this laptop belongs to God? How do you say that this iPad belongs to God? This flash drive belongs to God? How do you say, I will take the tools of the 21st century and use them for the glory of God and not the admiration of myself? How do you say, I will engage when it's time to engage and I will delight in the desert place? How do you say, this belongs to God? How do you say, I belong to God? So tonight we're actually going to ask you to dedicate your phones. And my original idea was to have everybody come and lay your phones at the foot of the cross. Right? I see your faces like, is she going to really ask us to do that right now? Because like, well, and that's why we're not. Because there are people who are like, uh, uh, uh. And just that feeling right there, you got to pay attention to that. Right? You just got to pay attention to that. And maybe some of you are willing to do that, but there is this, Paul said, I don't know how to give a dozen emails this week about somebody else took my wrong phone at Loft and now I'm freaking out. <laughs> to honor my brother and his email collection, I said, we will do that. <laughs> so instead, what we're going to do, you can do this now, we're going to pass out half sheets of paper. You have the pens already. There are some crayons in the basket as well. And we invite you on the half sheet of paper to write something like this. There you go. 
That's mine. Isn't it gorgeous? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and maybe for you, it's, it's your iPad. Maybe for you, it's not your phone. It's your laptop, whatever it is. But we invite you to take, to, to write that out. It can be as simple as this, or if you're like artsy, you can use the crayons and make a zazzy. But then we say, take a picture of it. If you've got your phone with you tonight, take a picture of this and make that your wallpaper from now until May 21. Make it your wallpaper. This, this is on my phone right now in the back by the sound booth. So every time I click it, I'm like, oh, right. It's already working. It's been on my phone for like five hours. So do your art. If you've got your phone with you tonight, take a picture. Make it your wallpaper. Make it the background on your laptop. Whatever the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, let us dedicate this to the Lord.